Hey, welcome to Can We Talk About This? Today we're going to talk about God and sexuality. Are you making, is she mocking me? No, I'm not. <laughs> I always, I always make weird faces when you intro because I feel so awkward. Yeah, so we're going to talk about sex and I know it's an uncomfortable topic. A lot of people um, just can't talk about it. They get really weirded out by it. So I thought I would start out with this quote, um, hopefully to kind of break the ice a little bit. Um, I saw this when I was doing some research and I thought it was hilarious. It says, um, the first two commands recorded in the Bible are, take dominion over creation and be fruitful and multiply. This is in Genesis 1, 26 through 28. In other words, rule the world and have lots of sex. Not a bad day at the office. That's <laughs> Preston Sprinkle said that. Um, and so I thought, you know, yeah, let's start with that, right? God said, be fruitful and multiply. He told us um, to have sex because that's obviously how you multiply. You don't have children without that. So another scripture that I wrote down is Hebrews 13, 4, and it says, let marriage be held in honor and let the marriage bed be undefiled. God will judge the sexually immoral and adulterous. So right there it says honor the marriage bed and it is undefiled right so what does that mean when you guys hear that what do you think of when you hear that the marriage bed is undefiled well i have the same scripture <laughs> of course <laughs> this is our theme always, always. actual like strong's concordance um definitions but undefiled is untainted free from contamination or unstained mm -hmm. and you know the uh, it's protected yes you know yeah the thing that i think is always nothing comes against it yeah. because it is <clears throat> one of the highest covenants that we make on earth um with god and protected under his authority as well as protected it should be protected by us as well i off of that scripture went into um what is immorality or sexual immorality um immorality is the state or quality of being immoral and then immorals not conforming to the accepted standards of morality. So what is morality? Principles concerning the distinction, distinction between right and wrong or good and bad behavior. Mm -hmm. And so um, what is right? What, how, how would we be sexually moral other than having direction from the Bible? Right. You know, because um, one of the things that I wrote down is that it, ultimately just like anything else but if we're not filtering what sex is or isn't through the biblical lens then we have a watered down wrong or twisted version of what it should and shouldn't be yeah that's good and, and that's true and i think to start we have to understand that sex itself isn't bad right. and i think that's how actually this topic even came yeah. to be on our podcast is it came up in our last podcast when we were talking about intimacy mm -hmm. And the fact that, you know, there are some people who struggle with the sexual relationship in their marriage because they have this idea, and, and you brought this up, Amelia, that, that sex is bad. They've learned, you know, in church or in their family that it's icky, right? <laughs> um, and so, you know, I want to share a couple more scriptures about the fact that sex is a good thing that God has gifted us with. The first one is in Proverbs 5, 18 and 19. It says, let your fountain be blessed and rejoice in the wife of your youth 
a lovely deer, a graceful doe. Let her breasts fill you at all times with delight. Be intoxicated always in her love. So, like, that's a good thing, y'all. That's not, there's nothing negative about that or what God is saying that a husband and wife are to be to each other. Another thing I think is super important um, to bring up is 1 Corinthians 7, 3 through 5. The husband should give to his wife her conjugal rights and likewise the wife to her husband. For the wife does not have authority over her own body but the husband does and likewise the husband does not have authority over his own body but the wife does um, do not despise deprive one another except perhaps by agreement for a limited time or a decided time um, that you may devote yourselves to prayer and then come together again so that Satan may not tempt you because of your lack of self-control so what that's saying is husband Take care of your wife sexually. Wife, take care of your husband sexually. Because if you don't, it opens the door for the enemy to come in and tempt mm -hmm. out of that covenant relationship that was already mentioned. But there are a couple important things I think I need to point out about this. First of all, the word authority. Or, I'm sorry, not authority, but, um, yeah, authority. Where it says the... Um, Husband doesn't have authority over his body, but the wife does. The wife doesn't have authority over her body, but the husband does. When I looked it up, and I really dug into the word, because I wanted to understand it, because I think oftentimes that word and this scripture is used to abuse uh -huh. people in marriage. And that's totally not okay, and that's not what is meant by this. And so what I found was that that word actually means... Um, authority. It is having, uh, where did I write it? Right here. It's delegated power or authorization. So when you are married, you have authorized your spouse to have access to your physical body. When you're not married, you should not authorize anyone to have access to your physical body. Yeah. And that's really what that means. That's not to say you're going to lord it over each other. It's not at all what that's about. And so I think it's important to point that out. But I'm just, I read that same scripture, and one of the things that was pointed out in some of my reading was that not only does the husband have authority over her body, but she also has authority over his. And so mm -hmm. especially in when this was written, that is uncharacteristic like for right. the culture. I read that too. And so... God is showing how important it is to be mutually yoked evenly mm -hmm. um, in marriage and in sex. Yeah, absolutely. I read that same article. That was really good. And the other thing that came up for me when I was reading this scripture is the very first sentence of the scripture. The husband should give to his wife her conjugal rights. I love that it starts off that way. Because I think a lot of times people think, oh, it's the husband who wants sex and the wife just has to give that to him. This is saying, husband, give to your wife what she needs. And I think oftentimes that doesn't happen. And people often end up in marriage situations with difficulty because of their sex life. Because there's not an understanding on one part or the other 
of what is needed. And I want to say that that's okay. That's not like, don't feel ashamed of that. Because how can we know what our husband needs? We are not men, yeah. right? And how can he know what we need? They're not women. That is intentional. God created us that way on purpose so that we would have to communicate with each other. Yes. It requires communication Mm -hmm. in the relationship to express to each other what is needed. And so it has to be talked about. Mm -hmm. A woman has to explain to a man how she is pleasured in sex because they don't understand it. Their parts Mm -hmm. are different, y'all, so they don't know (laughs) how. (laughs) And so it really is a cool thing because God is requiring that we have intimacy on a deeper level, yeah. not just physical. Mm-hmm. So those are two uh, two things I got out of that scripture that I thought were super important to point out. Sex was designed and meant to bring physical, emotional, and spiritual bonding. The communication part, that takes trust, mm-hmm. you know, which goes back to the intimacy. You have to be able to um, work together. And you have to put your trust in God, but also your spouse. Trust is huge. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It is super important to, there's, so much struggle because it's not talked about in a healthy communication way. Mm -hmm. And so if we have listeners who are struggling with that, there's no shame in attached to that. Just like you said, you know, it's okay to have those conversations with a trusted person. Seek God about those things. It's it's not, like you said, icky. It's not icky Mm -hmm. to ask God, what is sex designed for? And what does it mean for me personally? Um, I think it's really important that, you know, because there's, the world has tainted so much of what sex is and that's really hard for a lot of people yeah in our friendships like i was talking about last week my husband and i try to be just open with our friendships and how like sex is a tool for your marriage it's i mean like truly it is it it creates such a deeper intimacy with Mm -hmm. your spouse and that's what's so important about it it's not that like it's a fun thing to do it's that it literally is tying you together. Every time you do this act, it's tying you to that person, to to your spouse on a deeper level, a spiritual level. Mm-hmm. That's also why we have this purity culture because it we have recognized that it is so important that we don't spiritually tie ourselves to people our spirits aren't meant to be tied to. Yeah, and it actually bothers me that people within the Christian community have come against purity culture like I get it I yeah. get I get the um because that's probably partly why some young people feel like sex is bad mm-hmm. right yeah but at the same time it is necessary for us to be pure it is yeah. necessary for us to have guardrails and to I mean guard our heart mm-hmm. because you know I once saw um so many years ago a demonstration where they were talking about the sexual part of the relationship and how like it ties you together like Mm -hmm. you were just saying and this guy glued a plastic salt and pepper shaker together he crazy glued them together and he said when you have sex this is what happens right it glues you together you become one the Bible says therefore shall a man leave his father and mother shall cleave unto his wife and the two shall become one flesh Mm -hmm. So he crazy glued them together, and then he said, now, to get them apart, you have to break them. It's the only way to get them apart. Mm -hmm. And what we don't realize is that we do that to ourselves when we have 
sexual relationships with multiple people. Yeah. We've connected ourselves and there's a breaking of us that happens internally when we pull that relationship apart. And sometimes, you know, people have sex so freely that it doesn't, like, they don't even recognize that that's a thing. You know, the depth of the damage that is done. It's like being um, seared where, you know, a scar, you don't feel it so much anymore. Yeah. Um, it's been so damaging that now that doesn't even affect you the same way anymore. I was thinking about how in 1 Corinthians 6.18, it says flee from sexual immorality. The reason for that is given right in that scripture. It says every other sin a person commits is outside of their body. But the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. Mm -hmm. And I remember talking one time with um, my old boss at at one of the churches I used to work at. We were talking about sin and how, you know, sin is sin, right? I mean, it's true. Whether we have killed someone or we lied, Jesus still had to die for our sin. Mm -hmm. But his response to me was, yeah, that's true. But there are categories of sin. Because if not, this would not be in here. Mm -hmm. Every other sin we commit is outside of the body, but sexual sin is a sin committed against our own physical body. And it creates a deeper damage than what we realize. And so, you know, this is why I think it's important that first of all, we understand first and foremost, sex is good, right? It is a good thing. It is a necessary piece of our relationship and marriage. But we also need to understand that it is good within the realm of marriage. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Once we take it outside of that, outside of its purpose, the whole reason God created it, then it can become damaging to us. And I think that's the case for anything, really. Mm-hmm. Um, if you take anything outside of the purpose for which it was created, mm-hmm. it ends up ultimately damaging you. In Galatians 5, 19 through 21, Uh, where it's talking about works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, and I paused on that word because I was like, sensuality? Like, I feel like, is that a negative word? Because people talk about being sensual all the time. Mm -hmm. And so I wanted to understand what does that word actually mean? Is it negative or, or is it not? What is sensuality? And so I can't even say the word. It's A-S-E-L-G-E-I-A is the original word that it comes from. And it means licentiousness, wantonness, lewdness, outrageous conduct, shocking to public decency, Mm. violent, rejecting restraint, unbridled lust or excess. And I found yeah. it interesting that our society has made that word like acceptable. Like sensation, yeah. 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 Yep. It's like you hear that and you're drawn to it. You want right. to know. Yep. The world says that that's good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But really what, what it is, is I, I love that unbridled lust. Mm-hmm. It's allowing the desires of our flesh to own us or rule us. And that's really, for me... I had to shift my thinking when it came to all kinds of different things related to sin. And I had to understand that if I gave myself over to my desires, I was a slave to them. I had to get the mindset that I would be a slave to nothing other than Christ. And I still struggle with that 
I, I, always, I know it, I talk about this too much, but it's true. I still struggle with it in my eating. Um, I feel like it's like the last frontier. <laughs> so my last frontier, can I just get a handle on it? No, my peanut butter cookies downstairs are calling my name. <laughs> it's true. Um, and so I do still struggle with that. And it's like the one thing that I haven't quite been able to rein in. But in anything that you give yourself over to, it is sin. Because what you've done in that situation is made it your God. So we can make sex our God just as easily as we can make drugs our God. It's all about how you approach that thing and deal with it in your life. And if you're handling your personal desire for sex within the marriage relationship, communicating with your spouse with appropriate intimacy, then you have a handle on that thing. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not unbridled lust. It's interesting to me that sex seems to be the biggest, like just the biggest struggle among the human race like it's so prominent and evident in everything that we do just the mindset of it all i i wonder because now it's so prominent in our culture and our media and just everything that we consume it's it's always there but i wonder if back in the day right if this was still the common struggle or if because we've emphasized it so much in our culture and media today if that's why it's the struggle now because we also have a human nature to lie and cheat and you know it's all these different things but why is this one the biggest you know yeah well i I think think it's both yeah both the things on top of each other well and i think too like You know, the enemy has perverted it so much. And like you said earlier, it's the closest covenant that we come to on earth Mm -hmm. in relationship um, mimicking or exemplifying what our relationship is with God. And so why wouldn't it be the thing that is perverted the most and in any way that he can? And now because media, social media, things, it's, it's just so easy for it to be even more perverse. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's what I mean when I say I think it's both. I think it's always been the the struggle of humanity, yeah. right? But I think it is more even more yeah. prominent now because it's right there all the time. Yeah. Like, you know, before the internet, you had to go seek out pornography. You had to go buy a magazine. Whereas now you pick up your phone and it's right there. Mm-hmm. And it's right there at a young age. So it begins to get its claws in Mm -hmm. much earlier in life. So I think it has always been a struggle, but I do think that the spirit of lust is larger, so to speak, than it's ever been uh, in the past. And it makes sense to me, too, when you think about it in the spiritual aspect, because the enemy doesn't like people. Right. (laughs) <laughs> right? Why? Because we are God's, his, his prized yeah. creation, right? And the devil was kicked out of heaven because of pride. He wanted to be like God. We were made in the image and likeness of God. He was not. He is going to do whatever he can to pervert the creation of people, mm-hmm. to mess with who we are supposed to be getting involved in the very act that creates people does that. Yeah. So it makes sense to me that this would be a huge area of attack on people by the enemy. Yeah. Yeah. Going back to the porn and um, the original scripture that we talked about in Hebrews 13, 4, the Greek word for the sexually immoral 
is actually pornus, meaning a fornicator, a man who prostitutes himself, and man as in man or woman, human, mm-hmm. who prostitutes themselves. That has been, I mean, that's all throughout Israel's history. But I think that just goes back to one of our earlier podcasts when we talked about the prevalence of witchcraft and things within yeah. our society. Yeah. You know, we're, as a human race, we're stepping into and coming into a line with, with those things. So it is being welcomed in. And I think, you know, if you're in a marriage relationship that utilizes pornography um, in your sex life, I want to just encourage you to seek help for that. I mean, if you're able to remove that from your life without help, amazing, do that. Go to God and tell him, repent for it, because it is sin, y'all, it is. And it is ultimately damaging to your relationship. Right now, you may think, no, this is helping us. It's not. Mm -hmm. It is a false intimacy. The more you allow that in, actually the further away from your spouse you're going to become. And so I would encourage you to cut that thing out. Go to therapy with your spouse. Listen, I've been to marriage counseling more than once with my husband. And it was necessary for us to really overcome struggles that we had in our marriage and in our communication. It was amazing to me how having this mediator, this third person in there, in our conversations, caused us to communicate more openly with one another. And that's really what has to happen for you. If you need pornography in your sex life to have good sex, for lack of a better word, you need to go to a therapist. And you need to be able to communicate more openly with one another because you don't need that. I'm telling you, you don't. Good communication and true intimacy will be what you need to really fuel a healthy sexual relationship with your spouse. The relationship that you have with sex in your marriage encourages and pushes on your relationship with your spouse. Um, And how, again, it's it says plain as day, like if you're not connecting with your spouse on this type of level, then Satan's gonna get in. And mm-hmm. he attacks he attacks your marriage, he attacks your family because it's so strong. It is one of our biggest covenants that we can make on earth. And it it has so much powerful meaning behind it. And when you let your guard down in that sense, um, Satan's gonna wheel his way in because mm-hmm. he wants to destroy it. He doesn't want you to have that. He right. wants for you to sin and he wants for you to ruin your God covenants. Right. There is a really kind of common topic that I see a lot on social media of um, like spouses becoming roommates. Yes. Yep. I have seen that too. Because it just recently happened to me in my marriage and it was horrible. It was the worst thing in the entire world. It was so difficult. It builds up resentment because um, during the second trimester, my hormones were completely out of whack, like just all wild and crazy. And I wanted absolutely nothing to do with sex. It was completely miserable for me to even be a part of or like think about. I just didn't want anything to do with it. So we didn't have sex for like three months. And it was horrible for my marriage because it just became so mundane. We had so much resentment built up toward each other because I wasn't being a good wife in that I wasn't taking care of my husband in the way that I should. And he knew that I wasn't being a good wife. And, you know, he didn't hold it against me purposefully, but in his actions and his feelings toward me, it just started happening because he didn't feel connected to me. And I didn't feel connected to him either, but I would rather that 
at the time I would have rather had that than have to have sex. It was horrible. Suddenly one day he'd come home from work, sat down, and he was like, this has to stop. And I was like, I know that it does and I don't know how to get it to stop. I don't, I don't know how. It just became that we realized that we were living as roommates. It was, okay, wake up in the morning. I send him out the door. He goes to work. I stay home. I do chores. I, I, I do my own work. He comes home. I say, hey, how are you? And then we go off and do our separate things and do it all over again the next day, you know? And it's, it became so, it became so monotonous that we were both just completely miserable in this roommate situation that we were stuck in. And it took literally begging God that I would enjoy sex again because it was like, it was just so bad for our relationship. We weren't connecting. We didn't know how else to in that same way because there's not anything that connects us in that same way and mm -hmm. that deep level, you know? That's why it's such a tool for marriage because without it, we're just roommates. But with it, we have a beautiful marriage where we know each other so deeply and care for one another so passionately. We have that deeper connection and we are married people and not roommates. Yeah, thanks for sharing that too because I know that's hard mm -hmm. to share that. But at the same time, I know there are other people out there who are struggling with that same thing and they need to know that they're not alone. Yeah. That they're not the only one. And it felt it felt so stupid for me to be praying to God that I would enjoy like that's absolutely crazy. Like I felt so stupid. I was like <laughs> I don't know what else to do though. What am I supposed to do? And he did redeem it. He he fixed it, you know, and it's we're good now, but Man, that three months was rough. It was really bad. Yeah, and that's not stupid because that is the design yeah. of God. Yeah, but just... He made you that way. Like, I should... I'm a human. You know, you think I should be enjoying this thing and I'm not. And it was just like, well, okay, I guess I'm I'm just the one, you know. I'm. This is just weird and only happening to me. No, it's definitely not. I actually, like have specifically taken moments before sex. Like, God, I need your help. <laughs> this is not okay. Please help me. So, yeah, you are not alone. Oh, it's so weird. Yeah. But it shouldn't be. And that's why we're having this conversation. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Because actually, hormonal changes are a huge thing for women when it comes to sex. Um, and in fact, I sent y'all a podcast. Um, so I'll give them a shout out. The Naked Marriage Podcast. Really good um, for married couples to listen to together. David and Ashley. Oh, I just forgot their last name. I'm really sorry about that, y'all. But it is the Naked Marriage Podcast. Anyway, so I shared a podcast with these guys when we were preparing for this. And they talked about in there how stress for men pushes them towards sex. They need sex to relieve the stress. And stress for women yeah. pushes us away from it. Yeah. It's the last thing we want when we're stressed out, <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. And how difficult that is. And and it was funny because Ashley in the podcast laughed about it. She said she could just imagine God in in the creating of man and woman going, let's see how they work this out, you know? And I'm like, wow, God, that's kind of rude. But, but the truth is that um, it's intentional because it requires communication. Right. Yeah. It requires that we talk to each other yeah. and talking to each other is a huge part
part of a sexual relationship. Because you had said something about, you know, how it, it seemed ridiculous because you were praying that you would like sex, but you should like sex, mm-hmm. right? The truth of the matter is there are a lot of women who don't. And I can remember having a conversation with someone who had never had an orgasm. She's like, it was in her 40s at the time. Of course she didn't like sex. <clears throat> Hello? That's the good part of it. One of the good parts of it. Right there, right? It's the most important part of it. Yeah. <laughs> and so... She had never experienced that in how many years, right? Of course she didn't like sex. And that problem needed to be dealt with, but it will not be dealt with unless you talk to each other. Because obviously what was happening was for years they were having sex and she was not telling her husband that she was not having an orgasm. Because if he knew, I'm pretty sure he would want to fix that problem. Yeah, probably. Right? (laughs) And it also would require her being able to tell him what she needs Mm -hmm. from him. Because not every woman is the same. So people need different things during sex. And so in order for him to know, she has to tell him. And that's so important, y'all. If you are in a marriage relationship where you're not being satisfied in sex... Again, I'm going to encourage you to go to therapy because it's a lot. It's going to be a lot easier to open up those communication lines in a therapy situation. If you think you can do it without, then do it. But you need to talk to each other and tell each other what you need from one another, um, especially when it comes to achieving orgasm. That's super important. And it's not as easy for a woman as it is for a man. And that's what men need to understand. It's different. Women's bodies work differently. True. It's, um, I think, one of the most common problems. We don't, we don't talk about orgasm. We don't talk about how different it is. And um, women, a lot of times, things that I've read, things that I've heard, is that's a shame-based feeling. Like you, you feel like there's something wrong with you because you haven't orgasmed or because you haven't experienced that. That's, but that's not the truth. I mean, it's good, y'all. The Bible talks about it being good. God created us um, to be able to multiply, to make more people. And he could have done that any way, right? right? Mm-hmm. He could. It could have been like, okay, you go to sleep and you wake up the next day and there's another one of you. <laughs> right? It could have been like that. It could have. Yeah, and... He didn't have to make it pleasurable. Exactly. But he gave us yeah. the equipment to make mm-hmm. it pleasurable. So right. there's obviously a reason for that. Yeah. Right. Like when he knit our bodies together, he gave us an excessive amount of nerve endings mm-hmm. in our sexual organs. Right? That was intentional. And so it's it's not a shameful thing. And like the Bible says, you know, Genesis 2, 25, the man and his wife were naked and not ashamed. They were not ashamed of that. It is a good thing. And so if you're struggling with feeling shame about it, you probably do need to talk to someone about that. You probably do need to go to therapy. You probably need a, if you're a woman watching this, you need some godly sister relationships, Mm -hmm. other Christian women who have healthy relationships in this regard to talk to about it. Men, you need to talk to godly men about it. Men, don't go talk to a woman that's not your wife about it, and women don't go talk to a man that's not your husband about it. Do not do that. That's going to open up doors you don't want to open. Yeah. You're going to talk to people who love Christ, who follow Christ, and who will help you be healthy in this regard and have a strong, healthy marriage. Yeah. So whether that is 
you know, a group of like us, you know, we'll talk to each other about this, or it's a therapist, you do need to address it. It's important. And you'll be glad you did. You'll have a really incredible marriage relationship that will be healthy in so many ways. Mm -hmm. There are certain aspects of our life that we function on our own and other aspects of our life that we come together to function. And it's interesting to me because that's a physical thing, but it's also an emotional thing, Mm -hmm. right? There are things that we handle emotionally on our own and things that we handle emotionally together. As a wife and mother, I can tell you that's true. Mm -hmm. There are things that on my own emotionally, I don't feel strong enough to handle. But with my husband, I feel strong enough to handle it. And so it's a a necessity that we come together on both of those levels, emotionally and physically. And that's because God designed us that way. We're made, our bodies are made that way. Mm -hmm. And our soul, right? The soul is the mind, the will, and the emotions. I, for a long time, well, she's not a YouTuber anymore, but I follow this YouTuber and... Now she's just on Instagram, but her name is Sarah Therese, and she made a lot of content about marriage and being a godly wife, being a godly mother, just all this, all these things, right? And one time she was talking about how her husband like prepares her for, to have sex the evening that he comes home from work. And how he will, like, text her throughout the day. Or maybe he'll bring home a bouquet of flowers for her. Just to first send the signal that, like, hey, I want something tonight, you know. And on top of that, to prepare her for it mentally. Because I, for me, I know, and probably for most women, it is such a mental game. Yeah. It, you have to, it's not, you know, men can just flip a switch and they're like, all right, ready to go. That's not the same for women. Yeah. I think it's most of the time this is the case for women. I'm sure there are some women who are able to flip a switch, but yeah, because it's agree. so emotional for us mm-hmm. and it's so mental, like you have, I know I have to be in the right headspace. I have to have all of my chores done, first of all, because I'm not able to do anything else before <laughs> those happen. If my husband just came home and was like, all right, ready? Nothing would happen. <laughs> it wouldn't go anywhere. I'd be like, Psh, no, <laughs> absolutely not. And so when we are intentional on wanting to make that connection and wanting to have that happen, we get a lot better results for our desires and what we're trying to go for in that moment, you know? And I know that's something that I think a lot of people don't realize either. Like, you do have to, it's not just a, here we go. And it, it can be, like, in the moment when our emotions are there and aligned and, you know, it's built up. It's not like, all right, planning out sex and what, like... But I think that is kind of a natural thing too like if you especially for women when you are at that place it typically is followed by you've spent time together you've communicated you've Mm -hmm. you know like spent the day together and it wasn't intentional on his part he's not planting seeds or anything right but there was just time it just happened yeah Yeah. so i absolutely would agree yeah yeah and i think too um As you were saying that, I was thinking about how sex does change in a marriage relationship over years, Mm -hmm. right? Initially, when it's new, it seems to be easier to have, you know, spontaneous sex. But now you add in three kids and a lot of years (laughs) and, 
you know, jobs and all the things that, that go on in everyday life. And it does have to become more intentional. Yeah. It really does. And I think a lot of times what can happen in marriage relationships is we lose the intentionality or we never had the intentionality. Like we, the world tells us it should be spontaneous. Mm-hmm. And so we live with that expectation. And when it's no longer spontaneous, we are mad about it. We feel like something's wrong. Mm-hmm. But it's the real problem is that the world has lied to us. Yeah. And that it actually is okay for it to be an intentional thing. Well, it's okay for somebody to, to plan out, okay, on these days, these are the days that we're going to have sex. Now, does that have to be a hard and fast rule? No, but it's good to start with that, right? Because then at least you're being intentional so that you do have those moments of sexual intimacy with your spouse. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, going back to the time, right? So you add in kids and jobs and all of those things. The thing that's lost there is the intentionality in the relationship. Mm-hmm. Because when, yeah. you know, you add all of the other things, yeah. that takes the place of the time that you were spending with your spouse yeah. in the beginning, yeah. you know, and so that is no longer spontaneous because it seems spontaneous, but like I said, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't really spontaneous. Mm-hmm. You spent time together. You were prepared in a different way that you weren't really planning out, but you, you spent actual yeah. time together. That's and good. And so you know, the further you get into marriage, the, you know, adding all of the things and you have to get back to that. The intentionality maybe doesn't have to be, we're going to have sex on these days, but we're going to go to dinner on this day of the week. We're going to, you know, spend time together. And that doesn't necessarily mean it has to lead to sex, but it does lead to intimacy, which then will lead to sex. It's funny because when I was younger, I used to think, oh my gosh, I could not imagine having sex with the same person for, you know, (laughs) 50 years, right? You're like, doesn't that get boring? Because I was taught that. I was taught that. Like the world told me yeah. that, well, that's going to be super boring. But the truth is, it's not super boring. And <laughs> you perfect it, right? Like anything else. They say practice makes perfect. Well, look, you've been practicing for 25 years. You should be darn good at it by now. And and it's a, it's a good thing. The longer you've been married, the better y'all get at it. And I will say to my husband sometimes where he's like, oh, you're, you're good at sex. I'm like, no, it's just that we are, right? <laughs> we, he's going to kill me for just throwing these things out there. But, you know, he'll say that to me. And I'll be like, no, it, it's not that I am. It's that we are. Yeah. It's that we've spent 25 years perfecting this thing for each other. Yeah. Right? Not just for me. Not just for him, but for each other because we love each other. Yeah, and because if you were to go off and do the same things for some other man, he might not like the same things. He might be like, why are you doing that? Stop. Right? (laughs) Ew. (laughs) Ew. People never get to old love. Yeah. So, so many people because they give up during the young love. Yeah. When the... um, spontaneity Mm -hmm. seems to no longer be there they think something's wrong and they quit and it's so sad because you never get to experience the depth of real love Mm -hmm. right love is and i'm not just talking sexy i'm talking love it is very different at 25 years and now i'm gonna get emotional from what it was like at 10 because at 10 years my husband and I almost gave up and I think about what would have happened had we given up right she would not be the person she is right now I know that 
my children would be different. And we fought through the hard things. And now at 25 years, the depth of love that we have for each other is so good. And it, I would have never experienced, if we had divorced at 10 years, we would have started over with someone else and now would be at that place where we were with each <clears> other. <throat> because y'all, that's the cycle of a relationship. Yeah. You're never gonna avoid it. So rather than avoiding it, work through it. Commit to love each other enough to communicate and push through those difficult times so that you can have that kind of love. The relationship is better. The communication is better. The sex is better. All of it. If you can just commit to work through the hard things. So Lord, thank you for... um, just the freedom to come together and talk about things that might be difficult to talk about. Thank you for loving us, for creating us the way that you did, God. We're so grateful for who you are. Lord, I pray for anyone who may have uh, been watching this or listening to this podcast that is struggling um, with their marriage relationship or with um, struggling with lust or sex outside of marriage or you know their sexuality in general. I pray, Father God, that, that they would run toward you that today you would speak to them and let them know that they are deeply loved, that they're cherished by you, and that they can find um, rest, forgiveness, wholeness, restoration, whatever they need in you. I thank you, God, for your healing hand on the lives of your children. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.